Welcome to the very first Cavoodle specific podcast, focusing on raising Cavoodles in particular. I'm your host, Tiana Karamayas, a Cavoodle breeder and coach with over 14 years of combined experience raising Cavoodles and working within the health, grooming and training sectors of the small animal industry. As a coach, my philosophy is simple. A Cavoodle should always complement your lifestyle, never complicate it. If you're interested in achieving this with your puppy, then this podcast is for you. Do you have a new Cavoodle or are you thinking of getting one soon? Join my email list by the link in the show notes or at tianacaramayas.com slash essentials for free access to my Cavoodle Essential ebook, including a new Cavoodle shopping list and a socialization guide. By joining the list, you'll also receive bite-sized tips and advice about raising Cavoodles delivered straight into your inbox each week. Remember to hit the follow button to never miss an episode and also follow me on Instagram at Tiana Karamayas for more tips and advice about raising Cavoodles. Hello and welcome back to episode 50 of the Cavoodle Coach podcast. My name is Tiana Karamayas and I'm your host. In today's episode, we are talking about the struggles I have had raising my most recent Cavoodle puppy. Uh, she's not a puppy anymore. She is one and a couple of months old, but I want to go through what I've been struggling with because I want to be open and honest with you all as much as possible. And I think there's a really good lesson to be learned in this story. So let's go right back to the beginning for when I first got my puppy a year ago and let's work through the year and see where we are today and the breakthrough we've had with her training. So fast forward back literally about almost two years ago now and I am also a Cavoodle breeder as well as a Cavoodle puppy coach and I was on the lookout to add another couple of female dogs to my breeding program and when you are a breeder when you're bringing in like they're called stock so new stock into your breeding program there are certain things you are on the lookout for and for me personally I was on the lookout for a deep ruby red puppy that will hold its coloring so a puppy that wouldn't fade as it gets older now this is a really rare gene it is not common most cavoodles fade most poodles fade there is only a very small amount that don't fade as they get older you'll get a a ruby red puppy that'll fade to apricot by the time it's one and I didn't want this I wanted to get some breeding stock that held this coloring. So I went on a big, big search for these dogs and I searched for about a year on the lookout for when I would find, uh, you know, a breeder who had puppies that they were selling that had this deep ruby red coloring and also genetically didn't have any um, heritable diseases or any issues with bites or heart or joints and patellas, anything like that. So I went on a really deep dive search and I came across a breeder and she had a litter of Cavoodles, first generation Cavoodles. And the mum was this deep ruby red Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. And the dad was a mahogany red toy poodle. Now, mahogany red toy poodles, that's the key in this little, I guess, puzzle. They are beautiful. There is definitely not many around in Australia. And as when you have a deep mahogany red poodle, they hold on to their coloring as they get older instead of fading. So this meant there was a really, really good chance that the puppies in this litter were also going to hold on to their ruby red coloring. Genetically, the mother and dad of this litter were all fine, very healthy, didn't have any heritable diseases. And from the coat genes that were provided in their DNA reports, it did show that they had a non-fading gene. So 
I made a leap of faith and I purchased a couple of little female dogs from this breeder. Now, let me just say this. The breeder, she was not a breeder who was dedicating her career to bettering her program and bettering the breed of dogs. It was just a once-off litter she was having on the side. She had children. She worked full-time. The puppies did not get any time with her for their development or their training or their socialization or their desensitization. And I knew this getting them and I knew that it was going to take some work when I got the puppies to make up for the lack of work the breeder did. And now, (laughs) yeah, this definitely happened. So we got Chelsea and her sister, Ruby. Ruby lives with my cousins and they are just, they're beautiful. If you look at them and you look at the structure of their bodies, the shape of their bodies, the color of their coats, they are just gorgeous dogs. Um, and they are so affectionate. They are so playful, but they never learned how to regulate their emotions from a young age. A breeder starts teaching this to a puppy from three weeks of age. So Chelsea and Ruby never received this. And it meant when I got these girls, it meant they did not know how to react when they saw a person or another dog. And for Chelsea, she would get so excited, her heart would just fly to a 200 beats a minute. It would just go crazy. Um, She'd start shaking in excitement. And because she was so excited, she would bark. And this bark, you know, she wasn't being aggressive with this bark. Um, She is, I shouldn't say was, because she still does bark. Um, She isn't being aggressive with this bark, but her bark it unfortunately does sound aggressive. And so when we are out in public and she would see people and other dogs, she would jump towards them, she would bark, and it would kind of scare other people because it sounds so aggressive, even though she was just friendly and she just wanted to say hello. So then that started the very long training process. Now, that was a year ago. The barking started a year ago now. It is now a year later. And for the first time, or what feels like the first time, I feel like we have finally made a little bit of a breakthrough with her training. It has taken a lot of work. We had to stop taking her on walks. We had to go right back to just starting to control her excitement when people would visit our house and then slowly start to desensitize her to other dogs and to other people. And let me just say that all of the training techniques that a positive reinforcement trainer uses, the redirection, the using treats to capture their attention did not work with Chelsea. The treats was not good enough. It was, uh, you know, seeing another person and seeing another dog, it topped everything. So we really struggled with using any sort of normal techniques that you would use for a dog that is reactive out in public. So we stopped taking her out on walks. We stopped taking her out of the house and we went straight back to having her in our house or just taking her to friends and family. So not actually walking in public. And we did this for probably about six months. And we really worked at just trying to teach her not to bark as people would walk past our house, um, teaching her not to bark when the postman would come and drop parcels off, just really going back and just struggling each and every day. And it was hard. And this is coming from someone who literally has a career in training cavoodles and training dogs and someone who whose career is training is being with dogs. So I was able to spend 24 hours a day with Chelsea every single day. I didn't go to work. I work from home and she's with me all day. So I struggled so much with this and I can't even imagine how much someone would struggle if they worked full time and their dog and they weren't home all day with their dog. So that's something I'm going to talk about in a little bit because I just the lesson that can be learned in this story, it's so powerful and important 
for anyone listening to this. Um, but yeah, let's jump back to my side and then we'll go into why it's relevant to you. So we kept Chelsea inside for about six months and we just worked at trying to get her to regulate her emotions. And I really started to focus teaching her the word quiet and rewarding her for her behavior when she's quiet so that when people would come over, hopefully we could tell her quiet and it would be able to work that way. And this was a struggle. Oh, can I, I cannot, I'm sorry. I, this was a struggle. Um, she would have good days. She would have bad days. You would think you're doing really well. And then suddenly we go 10 steps backwards. And that's what it's like when you're training a reactive dog with any behavioral issues. You think you've just gotten ahead. You think you might've, you know, figured out how to fix it. And then suddenly the next day they go back 10 steps. It's a really hard thing to do. And it's a big mental game and it can be really stressful and tiring and disheartening as the one trying to train the dog. Um, so we had these little mini breakthroughs. She'd be good some days, bad other days. And it came to a point where I was like, you know what? This poor little dog is either going to spend most of her life inside the house or we have to just get figure out how to fix this so that she can go out in public. And what I did was... A few weeks ago at Easter on our long weekend, my family and myself, we all go camping to my cousin's farm and there is about 70 to 80 people who go. And we're on a farm, there's about 10 dogs who go down and I was like, you know what, let's just bite the bullet. Let's take Chelsea and let's just put her in a place with 80 other people, 10 other dogs for a weekend and let's just see if it makes any kind of difference. And I was so nervous taking her. I was like, is she going to bark the entire weekend? Is she going to cause everyone so much stress? Is she going to just ruin this really relaxing weekend that we all have? And we took her and we got out of the car. I put her on the ground. We took her off her lead because the dogs are off lead there. And she had the best weekend of her life. She barked for probably the first few minutes as she saw everyone And then the rest of the weekend, she didn't bark again. It was incredible. She ran around to everyone. She was getting all these pats. She was getting cuddles from all the kids. She was playing games, playing fetch. She was interacting with these other dogs off lead in an environment that meant she could come back to us when she felt nervous, go up to the dogs when she was feeling confident. And it was the best. It was the best thing we ever did with her. She just... The change that I have seen in her since that weekend is incredible. And I think the key is here. So so when you are training a dog or when you're introducing dogs to other dogs, a dog will always have three responses. You have the fight, flight, or freeze response. When a dog is on a lead, you take away their ability to flight. So you take away their ability to run away. So that means they're left with two options, either freeze or fight. Now, Chelsea never froze. She would, what you'd say, she would fight. So not in the way that she'd get aggressive, but she'd do that barking, that really in your face, I just want to say hello and jump all over you, a fighting approach. And so whenever we were out in public, you obviously can't walk your dogs out in public off lead near roads where there's cars. So Chelsea would always just pull on a lead, get really, really uh, loud with her barking and just try and just get to the other person to say hello. So it was never going to get us anywhere. We, she was never meeting dogs in an environment um, when she was free to go up to them without a lead on. And I don't go to dog parks. I do not 
believe dog parks are the greatest option because you never know the other dogs. You never know what dogs are aggressive. You never know what dogs are going to attack. And if we took Chelsea to this dog park and she went around barking at other dogs, this is something that could cause a dog to turn around and try and bite her because she is aggravating them unintentionally, but it was a possibility. So I never went to dog parks. So taking her on this camping trip, it was the best thing we have ever done for her. And then after this trip, we came back home and I was like, okay, we cannot let this progress stop here. We have to keep socializing her and getting her out and letting her see other people. So I really, really started just taking her out a little bit more. We went on some walks for the first time in so long and she was doing so much better. And the key that I have learned now, let me just say, it's only been a couple of weeks. Like I said, you can always go backwards. But what I have found is giving Chelsea warning before she sees a dog or a person is what really helps. If she suddenly, if there is a suddenly a knock on the door and someone is there, she has no warning. She is taken by surprise and she just, she barks. She's so excited. But if I sit with her and I see the person getting out of the car and I go, okay, Chelsea, now quiet, no barking. Let's be good. And I speak to her through it and she watches the person walk up our front steps, that there helps her keep her emotions at bay. Her heartbeat still goes a million miles per minute, um, but she doesn't bark. So I have found the key is giving her warning, me being on the lookout, making sure I can warn her so that she can keep her emotions in check and just continuing to expose her to more and more things every day. This morning when we got up, we went and dropped my partner Xander off to the train station for work. And as we were in the car, there was people walking past, there were dogs walking past and I was sitting there with her and I was going, Chelsea, quiet. It's okay. There's people coming. There's a dog coming, but it's okay. And that reassurance just helped settle her so that when that dog came into her view, she wagged her tail. The sound she makes is, mm, that's, that's literally what she does. She tries so hard not to bark. Um, and she watches them walk past and that there feels like the biggest, most, amazing achievement we have had in a year and it's she's finally starting to do things do more social things like other dogs do she's starting to go on walks she's starting to go on car rides she's starting to see more dogs and more people without scaring them with her aggressive sounding bark that really is just her saying hello so that is my story that is what we have done and it has been such a journey and the reason why I wanted to share this is because firstly like I said in the beginning I always want to be open and honest with you all and then secondly I just need to reiterate you know if this story doesn't prove to you how important it is to choose a good breeder I don't know what is I, like I said, I have been in the small animal industry for over eight years. I have been raising cavoodles. I have been working with cavoodles. I've been working with just dogs and training dogs for so many years now. And the effect a breeder has on a dog's temperament and the way that they approach new things and the way that they regulate their emotions is amazing. And if the breeder doesn't do anything with the dog when they are young, no matter how much experience you have training dogs, it is something you are going to struggle with every single day for a really long time. Behavioral issues and counter conditioning training, it is something that never ends and it is stressful. It is expensive if you have to hire a behavioralist and it can really just 
uh, negatively affect your life because it's putting all this extra pressure on you and you feel restricted because you feel like you can't go out and live your life. I felt like for so long, you know, I could take Nessie out, my other dog, and she's amazing. She has no issue at all seeing anyone. And then I would have to leave Chelsea at home and I would be wrecked with guilt because this little dog just needed to get outside and see the world. Instead, she was just seeing our house and that was it. So I felt so guilty and it was just it's such a struggle. So if you are getting a new Cavoodle puppy, look at the breeder. Do not just get a dog um, because it's cute and it's cheap and it's something you saw on Gumtree or um, Facebook or whatever the other selling platforms are. Make sure you do your research. Talk to the breeder. You need to find out what do they do to help the development of their dogs? What socialization do they do? What desensitization do they do? What training do they do? Do they even understand the development of a dog's brain? What are they doing to help teach them how to regulate their emotions? What are these dogs being exposed to? to in the early weeks of their life? Are they being handled too much? Are they being handled wrongly? Because if they are handled too much from a really young age, this can make them really jittery, really unpredictable. They can be really unsure of themselves and they can be, you know, full of energy and full of beans and then not be able to calm themselves back down. There is so much that goes in to influence the temperament of a dog. And I am telling you right now that if you do not have the time to spend all day working with your dog. If they have behavioral issues, it'll cause you so much stress and trouble. And when dogs have behavioral issues, something where you can't even take them out of the house because they bark like Chelsea, that's when dogs are given up. That's when families have to give the dogs to the shelters. And that breaks my heart. So if you are getting a Cavoodle puppy, please do your research Please find a breeder who knows what they're doing, who is spending that time with the dogs every single day. And that way, when you get your puppy, you won't struggle with anything. The dog will be okay seeing other people and other dogs. It'll be okay leaving the house. The dog will know how to regulate its emotions and you won't have the same behavioral issues I have struggled with for Chelsea. Now, Chelsea is, I will just say this, she has always been a pleasure to have around. In our house, she is perfect. She is so affectionate. She is so playful. She is such a good listener. She has such a huge desire to listen and please and respond. Her recall is amazing. And she is just so full of love. Her love, I have never seen a dog with more love. And she is so well behaved at home. While I work all day at my laptop, she sleeps behind me. She doesn't cause us any trouble. So she is amazing. Um, that side of her, we never struggled with. The training I did with her when I first got her worked so well. But that inability to regulate the emotions, that is something that has been a year-long struggle and something that I'm going to continue to struggle with for her whole life. And that isn't because of my training or my ability to train. That is because of the breeder's impact on her. So if you are getting a Cavoodle puppy, pick a good breeder. And if you're looking for a Cavoodle puppy this year and you're in Australia, please send me an email, hello at tianacaramias.com. My master waitlist is now open. My next letter is due June 2nd from Nessie. And I do raise my puppies on a curriculum program. I do training with them every single day. And I will share this entire program with you so you can see exactly what I'm doing with them and understand the benefits of the program and read testimonials from my past litter families as well. And you can see how 
how incredible these little puppies are and how advanced they are in their training and how they never have troubles regulating their emotions like Chelsea does. So that's it for this episode. I really hope you've enjoyed it. I really hope you've learned something new. I really hope you've appreciated how open and honest this this, um, episode has been. I've actually really enjoyed recording it and um, I hope it sheds some light on the whole impact that a breeder can has. And I'm not speaking from, you know, a breeder who's trying to sell my dogs. I'm speaking to you from a Cavoodle owner, owner to owner, family to family perspective. And I'm telling you my complete and honest experience with a dog who came from a breeder who didn't have the time to raise the puppies on a proper curriculum program that focuses on socializing, desensitizing and training them to things that are common to Cavoodles and teaching them how to regulate their emotions. So I really hope it just sheds some light, puts some perspective on how important a good breeder is who does dedicate that time and whose entire career is raising their puppies and just to understand how difficult and how much pressure and stress it puts on a family when there are behavioral issues that could have been avoided if the breeder had done some training and socialization and had a curriculum plan in those first nine weeks. And if you want to see how my puppies are raised, head over to my Instagram at Tiana Karamayas or at Cavoodle Coach and follow me there. I just uploaded a video that summarizes my entire breeding program and the curriculum program I do and the results that have come out of it. So go have a look at that at Tiana Karamayas or at Cavoodle Coach. And you can also follow me on TikTok for that same video. Okay, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I will see you in the next one. This has been your Cavoodle Coach, Tiana Karamayas. See you later.